Welcome to Season 2 of the Filament Games Podcast, a show dedicated to game-based learning. Here are your hosts, Brandon Pitzer and Dan Norton. So here we are to celebrate and mark the last installment of the Retro Review asterisk for this season. For this season. Uh, <laughs> for this season. For this season. Um, if you'd like to see us play through the game itself, head on over to our YouTube channel. That's the Tube of Yous, and check out the video playthrough. Otherwise, just keep listening because we're going to talk about the game yep. and reflect on it. Because, I would say that huh? I don't think we've ever suffered as much as that in a Retro Review. No. I mean, not while podcasting. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I just played through. What was that? I don't know. Twenty minutes. I, I think it was like if that, four hours. Fifteen. <laughs> it's hard to tell. I think the sun set and rose several times. <laughs> um, yeah, I played some uh, some math blasters. Yeah. Um, this is uh this is Matt Hazelton's fault. He brought us this game. I did. He made yeah. me play this. Yeah, it's uh it's interesting. Sometimes maybe maybe more often than not, uh, when you're introducing yourself as hi, I make educational games, uh-huh. uh, you'll get a oh like math blasters back as a mm-hmm. response. Um, right. And I've I've never really quite figured out how to how to field that. Dan, what do you do when people say, Oh, like math blasters to you? I say, sure. And then move on. What I actually will like backtrack on is if they're like, oh, I'm sure you guys make games way cooler than like that stupid Carmen San Diego. And I go, Well, actually, Carmen San Diego's amazing for the following reasons. Mm. But uh you know, you never know the actual level of how far someone wants to go mm. in to talking about what's good or bad about learning objective games. So I don't drag them through it Fair. unless they ask for it. Right. Yeah. Um, right. But so yeah, it could be an insult. It to could be, be an insult right. if you make games like Math yeah, Blasters. I feel like I'd Math Blaster is like a, a stigma that the educational games industry is trying to wash off that has yeah. just stuck for but almost I th- two decades. I think, yeah. I mean, most of the people I talk to when they, I didn't play Math Blasters when I was in school, mm. but most people think back on it fondly. Oh. I think. I think they're like, oh, yeah, like Math Blasters. I played that super hard. I confused it with Number Crunchers. Mm. You know, yes. which is like a different kind of violence Crunching, that you can do to math. <laughs> blasting. <laughs> um, yeah. Stamping. Yeah. yeah. So I liked number crunchers. Wait, number munchers? Was it munchers? I think it's munching. Okay. I think one, I don't think you crunch the math. I think you munch it. Okay. Yeah. Well, so let's see. Um, I think that, you know, this, this version of, of math blasters certainly shows its age. Very old version, I mm-hmm. believe from... What was that, 1987, it said? Well, well, is that fair, though? Because both Oregon Trail uh, and Carmen Sandiego, which we played, uh, are from the, the same era, and we didn't lob, uh, you know, showing its age at, at either of those. Well, um, especially Carmen Sandiego, I think the interface was a little creaky, right? That was a thing. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, in terms of the mechanics of what you're doing, yeah, uh, Math Blaster really... It certainly does not match what would our contemporary opinion about what learning games are capable of, mm-hmm. and it doesn't match its correlating analog games at the time, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the things they were making back then, the other things were way better. Yeah. So, so like, here's a challenge. What was good about it? 
Let's think about that. Was there anything we liked? <laughs> well, I, I mean, so in the context of the time, I think that one of the inherent goods is that it was an attempt to use digital technology to approach math in a different way. That's good. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. People should try that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and maybe this is conjuncture, but I uh, I have the feeling that at the time that was just how math was approached and taught, right? It was mm-hmm. taught as worksheets that you gave yeah, uh, and you just sort of sat down and tried to drill it out. So right. in, in terms of preparation for the kind of assessment that would be performed in the classroom, it's spot on. That's true. That's true. It 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 probably had classroom utility based mm-hmm. on the the methods at the time. Um, what so that's that begs an interesting question though. Um, what's what's different now? Hmm. About teaching math. Well, I, I think uh, we had Kara Williams on last week, right? Yeah, we and did. We certainly <laughs> we certainly did. Um, yeah. And uh, based on on what I understand about that and and Kara in general, I, mm-hmm. I think that. Um, math is shifting to be less about uh, rote and more about processes in general and how they uh, like more systemic thinking and yeah. less less raw memorization. Yeah, um, which emphasis on st- STEM in the systemic <laughs> thinking, right? Uh-huh. Right in there, right? Like the idea that math is part of a larger, uh, larger way of approaching problems mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. different careers and uh, and in your life. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So just being able to sit down and, and drill out a series of arithmetic problems um, probably is less useful now than being able to understand why why any of those work and what context they could be placed in. Right. right. Or looking at a problem and figuring out how to apply math to it. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that it's you know it it's reflected of or reflective of just the fact that education is now much more purpose driven and like adult preparation oriented, I guess I would say, as opposed to it being just an end to itself yeah. um, of, 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 like Matt said, rote memorization. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I think the cardinal sin of Math Blaster, and, and I mean, we're just dumping on it, and uh, it's hard to make things, you know, I'm, and in the time and place there, the, you know, it's not entirely fair just to like, totally toss in the garbage but I think the cardinal sin is that they were they used a context of the science fiction space to falsely justify or excuse the weakness of the math practice Mm. the the world has nothing to do with the math it's just there as a bribe Um, and the mechanics around the math are so uh wrote and stark and drill like mm-hmm. uh that even even if the i mean you can you can say you know given the technology of the time we could even be willing to concede that those were that was a fun space place mm-hmm. that you could like those characters or those sounds would have been great right maybe that's totally that could be fair but even so uh they're used as a bribe around uh and with no interest in integrating into the math at all. I think that's really, that's like the core sin of that game. Yeah, so when you talk about bribes and integration, it's like math should be a really natural and easy fit for, especially a science fiction or fantasy Mm -hmm. uh, adventure. You know, you have spaceships, you have computers, you have dials, like there's a million different ways to make the math and the setting 
relevant right. to each other. Yes. Um, yeah, it could be sensibly integrated into the like the fictional trappings of this world instead of just kind of being a question that's just kind of floating immaterially in space mm-hmm. that you have to solve in order to like earn the privilege of shooting garbage. Right. For like, instance. Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, you know, just off the top of my head is like you could make, let's say that garbage zapping is a good idea, <laughs> but you want to integrate math into it. You know, like give the player an X, Y grid and then have them have numbers to build an X and Y coordinate to zap garbage. And now they're thinking about all sorts of math to solve a problem rather than I solved a bunch of math problems and now I shoot garbage. I think, you know, maybe that's the other thing that really, you know, steams my clams on this is that they, (laughs) after you do a bunch of really uninteresting math, they give you a game where there's no math at all. And those yeah. are terrible. But That's true. even if you're like, those are good, they're still like, they've disassociated what they consider to be the reward from the math practice, which yeah. hurts the math even further. It's almost like they don't think math can be fun. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, I think that, you know, I think that speaks to the, uh, not, not great conceptions it's implanting in the player's mind, which is to say that math is something you have to slog through mm-hmm. in order to get to this you know, just a fairly basic arcade game. Now, I think in 1987, it would have been, I don't know, fairly state-of-the-art, the kind of, like, arcade stuff we were doing. It was very Space Invaders-like mm-hmm. um, and, and multiple mini-games that you had going there. But, um, but yeah, I think that uh, making the gameplay and the math work discreet um, is probably, yeah, probably not a great model. I think that the, the recycling mini-game did a better job of at least making the math part of the game itself. Like there was no, there was not like a discrete divide between those two things. The math was just integrated straight into like the core gameplay loop of that mini game. Yes. And so even though it didn't actually make any logical sense within the fictional framing of it, um, you know, as like a recycling plant where you change different parts of an equation to make them true, um, it was still better than just having you drill problems and then move on to yeah. a shallow game. Yep, that was definitely definitely the best mm-hmm. by a wide margin. Everything mm-hmm. else was pretty horrible. Yeah, I definitely, like, I had to think harder during that game. Right. Which is good. Yeah, you you, you could think to yourself, oh, I can solve yeah. for this side of the equation and adjust the other side, or I can keep this side as is and work on the other side and right. you're thinking about the distance and uh, yeah there's stuff there yeah. it's a creative problem mm-hmm. so that's almost like the definition of stra- strategy right like the yes. idea that you have more than one option that could be right yes. yeah yeah well said that yeah that's that's exactly right yeah so it was yeah it was less linear on along those same lines mm-hmm. you had a little bit more freedom to a little more latitude to kind of do what you wanted um so that was nice um so uh, I think, how do you guys think this would work in a classroom then versus now? So, like, if we if we tried to bring this to a classroom today, um, you know, wh- where would it fit, if at all? In the back. <laughs> well, I, I think, Fair let's enough. see. <laughs> I, not to be, I mean, so we've had a lot of really amazing superstar teachers on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would still say for schools writ large, we're still at the part of the dialogue uh, in games and education where we're defining the value and training schools to understand what's great about learning games. 
So, I mean, obviously, technology-wise and just gameplay polish, yada, yada-wise, this would never fly in a contemporary classroom. But I think, and we still do see contemporary games being made that have a similar disassociated approach to rewarding you for doing something rote. Uh, that still happens, um, and it's unfortunate. So we haven't won that battle yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, that's like we're in the middle of it. But, uh, yeah, I think we could get better. We can yeah. still get better on that front. Yeah, I think um, one thing that's interesting to me is the differentiation between this kind of math learning and kind of like the state of the art, like manipula- man- manipulatable um, Montessori style yeah. teaching. Um, and I think that's something that uh, we're starting to see more and more in games. Um, so, yeah, do you think, like, how do you think something like that could be? retrofitted into this game like how could how could math blasters hmm. get in line with Montessori I I think it's really um, I almost feel like that's it's almost not a question because it's like it solves itself it's like well let's look at the different types of really interesting ways that we can make people have agency to think about math and mm-hmm. a lot and a ton of the Montessori curriculum is like right on target mm-hmm. and then be like well let's Let's integrate those types of activities into the context of this game. Like uh, for know. readers who might not be familiar with those things in Montessori, though. Well, like, maybe oh, sure. uh, any specifics. Maybe a way to think about it surface. is like if you didn't know what numbers were, like if you didn't look at seven and know that it's it's this many. Uh-huh. You know, how would the game? Oh, adapt he to held help up you? seven, by the way. For oh, seven people. fingers. Yeah, he held up seven <laughs> fingers. Well, I, six I got fingers it right. and a thumb. He got it. He nailed it. <laughs> nailed it. Right. Um, you know, uh, like that might be a sort of an interesting acid test for like when we talk about like building number sense and Montessori learning. Like if if you didn't already have the pre-existing knowledge of what seven is and plus is and two is mm-hmm. and nine is, um, how how would the game adapt? And I think that uh, Filament Games' recent release of Division mm-hmm. um, is a kind of an interesting model for that. Like you can come to that game knowing nothing about how fractions work or what numbers are, and the game will sort of walk you through it and give you the, the hands-on number sense experience to build from the ground up yep. uh, rather than just assessing you on knowledge that you presumably should already bring to the table. And I think that's one of the big differences. Yeah, That's really interesting. So, yeah, Math Blasters makes assumptions about your familiarity with the signifiers yes. of numbers, but not necessarily what is being signified. And I think that's yeah, a, I think that's yeah. a fairly significant said. significant difference. Yeah. Um, okay. So um, if you guys got the reins, the design, the GDD, yeah, you had access to it, what would you do? What would you change? Uh, <laughs> Everything. <laughs> math math poll is out. All right. Yeah. Okay. The math poll. Even is though going. that was yeah. our favorite activity. Yeah. Uh, yes. There. I would. I would have you. Not have some large plunger emerge from your body, yeah, uh, to to solve problems. I would I would fix that. That's <laughs> top of the list. Top of the list. All right. Yeah. All right. So you've made an improvement to the uh, user interface. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's good. Yeah. Uh, how about the mechanics? <laughs> uh, more trash. 
Okay. <laughs> that's, I feel like that's kind of still straddling the line I between think interface there be and mechanics. Five different zapping sounds rather than one zapping sound. It's very fatiguing. Uh, um, something that came up a lot maybe uh, was was Sisyphus. Like Sisyphean got thrown around more yeah. in that playthrough than I think in, in any other game that yep. we've experimented on the retro review. That's and, true. Uh, I think part of that is because you just have no idea how far you've come or how far you have to go. Mm-hmm. Um, even in a game like, uh, like you don't know how many more stops you have to make in Carmen San Diego, but you can feel like you're getting closer to a goal. Right. Yeah. Um, they said attention. Cues. Yeah. yeah. They cues. tell you you're getting closer. Mm-hmm. Um, this had nothing like that. Right. Like, I mean, it would tell you that you'd filled up your, uh, your trash zapper meter and it would tell you that you've, uh, you've cleared the board of, of yes. number plunders. Right. But um, yeah, that was interesting where like every progress tracker was uh, tied to the phase that you were in. Yes. But you never got any information about how many phases th- yes. <laughs> there would be. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it does feel like perhaps potentially an endless loop. Yeah. Yeah, it's like if you're at the gym and your trainer keeps telling you that you've just got one more set to go without telling you how many sets you're doing. Right? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So that ha- that probably happens, doesn't it? I would I would not with work lesser with. trainers than David Hazelton. I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say that's a <laughs> that's a trainer I fire. Yeah, but if you are looking for training in the Madison area, <laughs> contact David Hazelton at Ford's Gym. Yeah, he's he's um, a neat guy. He's all right. <laughs> yeah, he's all right. Um, but yeah, like I think I mean right off the bat, like even without getting into any of the actual uh, learning mechanics, like I think it's really important for players to have a sense of. Uh, accomplishment mm-hmm. when they accomplish something, yep. mm-hmm. um, and that's just totally like they have reward ostensibly, mm-hmm. but that I think is different than accomplishment. Yes, right. Yep, and they and yeah, we've we've. I feel like we've everything I want to say is like I'm just going to beat up the things we've already beaten up. And it's <laughs> like I would I would absolutely remove the bonus non-math round reward structure. Yeah. I would never, ever reward the player being like, hey, now you don't have to think about math. Isn't that cool? (laughs) That's just like the worst. Yeah. 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 All right. And I think in general, just creating ways to interact with math that tithe, that are both more strategic, um, Mm -hmm. you know, the XY coordinate where you could do X or you could do Y and you Mm -hmm. have to like look at it and sort of puzzle it out rather than just fill in the blanks. Like I think that's the thing. Like I would, Mm -hmm. I would try to look at each math minigame, if we are still doing minigames, um, mm-hmm. as a puzzle rather than as a worksheet. Yep. Um, what do you guys think about that structure um, where it's it's divided into these little you know, loosely themed together minigames? Do you, you know, think do you think that's something that can work yeah, in a I learning don't, game? I don't think it's inherently bad, but the thing is all of those minigames were basically the same minigame. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a missed opportunity, I think. Yeah. yeah. If we were to break it apart into minigames, it would be that so that we could properly address different math practices in different contexts. Okay. We would not just make another game to do rote math. Yeah. Like so we would say this is an this is an interesting way of thinking about math. This is an interesting way to think about math. Let's make a game for each. So like a mini scaled learning game is not inherently a bad thing. No. Um, but if you're going to assemble a collection of them, mm-hmm. they should be uh, diverse enough that you're learning a different, you have like a different learning outcome for each one. Yeah. yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's something to come back around on. Like I, I feel like I remember maybe five years ago, there was actually a, a studio wide push to try to, to stop having mini games, right? Like just, mm-hmm. we, we felt like that was a crutch that we were leaning on too much. And I mm. think we've, we've come back around. But at the time, I think, 
the thinking was that you couldn't get deep enough into uh, a learning subject if you're teaching something like as a, a mini yeah. right. uh, experience. But sometimes you don't want to get deep. Sometimes you just want to focus on a, a really, really specific thing, yeah. which I think math lends itself to. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, there's a spectrum. You know, you can you can have the very rich and deep gameplay that's uh, oriented around kind of a a collection of learning objectives that mm-hmm. are nicely complementary. Uh, but you can also have like the very targeted mini game, um, you know, like what what we have here. Um, perhaps not executed as li- as as we'd like them to be. But yeah. um, I think one thing to bear in mind is that it really is context dependent on how successful like that kind of genre would be. Um, a mini game actually lends itself really well to a classroom environment where they have a fairly finite amount of time to get mm-hmm. through content. Um, so, you know, if you're if you have your 30 minute math period, um, you the game can't be this long epic where you have like a significant narrative tutorial and yeah, um, yeah, you, you run out of time quickly. So that's that's where mini games are really elegant for a classroom solution is that they can they can be contained in the in the space of one class session. Yep, I totally agree. Yeah, yeah I think one of the things when Filament was struggling with the application of mini games, I think uh, at least in particular something like Cell Command, we were like, well, Cell is a really complicated system. And building a simulation that somehow shows how every single component of a cell works together is, you know, mm. and a huge endeavor <laughs> unto itself. So, uh, and we also looked at the learning objectives. It was really more uh, more along the lines of students should understand what each part of a cell does and then how it contributes to the cell as a whole. So, mm-hmm. we thought let's let's break this apart into a bunch of mini games. Each one describes a different component of the cell and what it does. And that was successful, but it still was a really big struggle to say like this, having someone be like, I get what a cell is when they've played a bunch of very discrete, very different games Mm -hmm. and where they uh, actually, you know, I think that was one of our big challenges on that project. Sure. So ideally if you're using mini games, they should all tie back together somehow. I think so. I think figuring out if you're going to use a cluster of mini games, making sure that the context for why they exist discreetly and how they all come back together is important. Mm-hmm. Um, if they don't come back together, then you also might be like, well, why are these in the same game at all? Yeah. Mm. Kind of uh, kind of like Oregon Trail almost. Like there's a, a hunting mini game. Uh, I guess we could say there's a crossing the river mini game. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. And there's lots of uh, a trading mini game mm-hmm. in a way. Um, and... Uh, they all sort of tie back to the central metrics of how many people you have in your party and how yes. many miles you have left to go. So, like, yeah. if, if you're doing mini games, maybe they all sort of feed back into some sort of central uh, shared shared resource pool as a, a really sure. easy way to think about tying them together. Yeah, yep. there's some core objective that has all of those mini games outcomes as like dependencies, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right. Well, um, I think summarily. We give Math Blasters a light six out of ten. I don't know. Is that being generous? I think that's generous. All right. It's not better than an average game. Okay. Yeah, fives are average. Okay. It, yeah. If we're if it's like a school grading, then maybe a six out of ten. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like, that's a, that's a uh, clinging to the edge of a D. Right? What if it right. was six out of ten math plunges? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Six out of ten space Two potatoes. Two poles down. Yes. All right. <laughs> well, <laughs> we have un- 
<laughs> I always love when Josh is making that face at me. Um, we have unpacked Math Blasters, I believe, to the fullest extent yes. that we can unpack it. Now we would like to repack it. Yes. Put it away. Yes. Yeah. And now we're going to go, I don't know, <laughs> just play some kind of brain bleach type game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, that that's all the time that we have for today. So thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, Matt Hazelton, for coming, as always, and lending your design expertise. Always a pleasure. Yeah. Always fun. Um, thanks, Dan Norton, for being Dan Norton all the time. That's what I do. Um, and thank you, dear reader, for listening to us. Um, we just want to say that uh, next week, uh, our final episode of the season will be airing. So please tune in for that. Yep. With an amazing special guest. It's going to be incredible. An amazing surprise special guest yep. that we can't even name. Yeah. That's how impressive it is. Yeah. Um, I'm certainly not setting anyone up for disappointment with that statement. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, <laughs> just make sure <laughs> just make sure you bring your Kleenex because it's going to be a wistful and melancholy affair. It's true. Yeah. Yes. And then, uh, and then, yeah, we'll figure out when we're going to do season three and yep. let you all know. But, yeah, we'll see you next time. And we're going to reveal that I've been dead all along. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, been me yeah. in a seance. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to put these candles out. <laughs> and that'll be that. Thanks, Thanks everybody. everybody. <laughs>